So glad you guys are here this morning. I do want to see a little uh, little show of hands of how many women were here yesterday. That, dude, I'm telling you, man, that was absolutely awesome. If you were not here yesterday and you are a woman, you missed out. I'm not a woman, and I was here yesterday. It was my first women's conference. It was really, really, really good. People said, like, I wore, like, a vest and everything. Dude, I'm going to tell you something. I was so afraid of being in this room with 300 women. I'm, I'm like, and I come up here to pray. Now, listen, I pray all the time. I speak in front of you guys every week. All they did was ask me to pray. And I walked up here in this little corner, and I stared at the ceiling, nervous and scared to pray in front of 300 women. It, but I'm telling you something, it was, it was absolutely incredible, man. Terry brought the house down. It was, it was awesome, man. It really was. I'm going to tell you something. If, if you, I, I think that there's a lot of us, because it's growing a lot on Wednesdays. I'm telling you, if you are a female and you go to this church and you have time on Wednesdays to be here and you're not, you're missing out. We have, God has just blessed us with just this very, very strong, anointed woman of God to lead our women on Wednesday nights. And I'm telling you, be here, man. It is awesome. I'm so glad she's on our team. It's awesome. So we are uh, right in the middle of this uh, series. It's just been, I feel like it's just been a good series for my life. It's been awesome at the beginning of the year. I hope everybody is just doing well. Those of us that are participating on the fast, I just, I think that, uh, God, I love you so much. I just think that uh, God's just been, that's, that's tough. I like that. Um, but God's just been moving in my life a lot and just kind of opening up as we're really praying about the year. And I just want to encourage you just to uh, keep doing that, just keep seeking God. It's just an, an awesome time. And um, if, you have your, if you have your Bibles, you can, you're going to hate me for this because we're not going to get to it to the end. But you can turn to Matthew um, chapter 4. Actually, just turn to Matthew. Turn to the beginning of the Beatitudes. How about that? And just hang out there until the end. Um, it'll be fun. While you're doing that, I'm going to pray real fast, and then we're going to go ahead and get started. Lord God, I pray, Lord, right now that you'll just let your spirit be with us. God, I pray, Father, um, just as uh, don't let me be just uh, just a man up here with my own thoughts and my own opinions and my own knowledge, God. I pray, Lord, that you'll just empty me completely out, Father, that you'll just let your spirit be with me. God, I pray, Father, you'll open up the hearts and the minds of every person in this room. God, I pray, Father, that you would just uh, penetrate to the depths of our hearts this morning. God, no matter what we're here for, God, or, or if this is our first time or our 500th time, Father God, that you'll just uh, Teach us in a new way this morning, God. Just let your spirit and your word just go out. Uh, thank you, Father, for all you've done and all you'll do in your holy and your precious name. Amen. So here's the deal. This is, this is one of the reasons that um, I tend to, tend to preach the way that, that, uh, that I preach. is because as, as, when I got saved and I started going to church and I started listening, there was a lot of times, you know, these preachers that would preach these big ideas. They would preach these, these big lofty ideas and they sounded really good and they were really good. And, you know, and it would just be an awesome. You'd walk away on Sunday and you were going, man, that's just such a, that's such a good idea. That's, you know, that's just such, it was such a good sermon. That was just that. But then you wake up on Monday morning and, and what you heard yesterday you have no idea how that actually translates to life. Does that make sense? And so there's a lot of things. There's a lot of really, really good ideas, a lot of good theological ideas. But there's a lot. A lot and one of the ideas I think that we're, we've been talking about through the course of this series is depending on God. That was the first thing. First, the whole, the whole idea of this series is that many of us, most of the time, we forfeit a dependency on God for a dependency on ourselves. And this is something that God says you need to be aware of. You need to be aware of, of forfeiting a dependency on me, forfeiting a dependency on my provision and my wisdom and my guidance to have a dependency on yourself. And God actually called that evil. And, and 
in that first that first Sunday when we did this, just the altar was full of, of people, and there was just a lot of feedback, and just it was just this realization for me first. You know, I, I don't know if you guys were paying attention on that Sunday, but man, I was right up here praying next to y'all. I wasn't praying for you guys. I was next to you. You know, what I mean, like it's it's just this realization that many times we take things into our own hands and and we live life with a dependency on ourselves. And and, it, and I think that over the course of this series, there's a lot of us that have just got to this place where we're like, okay, we get it, man. We we believe that and, and we want that, but what in the world does that really look like to be dependent on God? I mean, I get it on Sunday, I get the idea, but on Monday morning when I wake up and I, you know, put my kids, you know, jerk them out of bed and get ready and go to work, and what does that look like in my life? And so over this Sunday, next Sunday, I want to take six very specific, Terry, you broke this yesterday, six very, very spe- uh, specific ways um, that we that God be- tells us, begs us at times to depend on Him. In we're going to do three this week and three next week uh, to make sure you guys are out of here by two. I just want to make sure we do that, and um, and so we're going to do that. And the first one, the first one is God's wisdom. And now this is this is just one of those things where um, it's it in itself is just kind of a big idea because you think about okay God's wisdom like what the heck does that mean in my life? What the heck does God's wisdom really mean? And one of the things that we know, if you were with us a few months ago, we did the wisdom series, is that one of the wisest men that ever walked the face of the earth was Solomon. And the Bible said he was one of the wisest men or the wisest man in history, but it's not like the Bible's the only thing that says this man was the wisest man in history. The known world at the time deemed Solomon the wisest man in existence, the wisest man in history. There were kings and queens uh, that would come and bring gold and resources and materials and wood and everything to to give to Solomon, to lay them down at his feet, just to buy a few days listening to this great wise king. I mean, this was one of the wisest, most intelligent uh, uh, guys in existence. And the things that he did with that wisdom, I mean, he built cities and nations, and he did things as hobbies in his spare time that our country has not even done in certain extents. I mean, he was just brilliant um, at, what he, at what he did. And, and Solomon had a very interesting take on wisdom. He had a very interesting take on how to gain wisdom and gain understanding. And it starts off early on in the book that he wrote called Proverbs. And he says this right here. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. All right, I know this is going to be a shock for some of you guys. But you are under the delusion that if a thought pops into your brain, that that is right all the time. It's a curse of man. It's a curse of teenagers. It's a curse of my life. Courtney doesn't believe it, but it's a curse of Courtney's life. All right, this is just a curse of who we are as people. When we put it in our brains, when it pops up in our heads and we think this is right and that's our opinion, dude, that is what it is, man. I cannot, there's, I deal with people all the time and if they would just realize that they are not right and that I am right, this would, everything would just be easier and go a lot smoother. But it's just like, I, it's just, and even, even as I'm preaching this and I was preaching this week and I was kind of studying this over the last few weeks and, and I was going, I'm like, how can I say this out loud? Because anybody that knows me for half a second is going to go, he's talking about that. He, he's just describing himself. What a freaking hypocrite. I mean, that, listen, but it is, dude. We, something, pop, something pops in our head, man, and we think, you know what? I've been here for 27 years. I've been a pastor. 
for like 417 days. And dude, I know what's up. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we, we justify these things in our head where we just, if it pops in our head, man, it's like that commercial, you know, where that girl's like, I'm meeting this model, and this, like, Shrek shows up, and he's like, well, he was on the internet. He said he was a model, and they wouldn't put it on the internet if it wasn't true. You ever seen that commercial? You know, it's like, I mean, it's like we have this idea if we read it on Wikipedia, like, I, like I'm telling you, you can take, I was reading the other day, God was like, you can take dirt and sticks and rub them together, and you'll make gold. And we're all convinced. Why, where in the world did you read that, internet? Guy was telling me, trying to, I had a conversation with my good buddies. He was talking about Amish corn. You guys ever heard about Amish corn? Dude, like, where in the world did you hear about Amish corn from? Well, it was this guy, and he, was, and he started walking back, and he goes, actually, it was, a, uh, you know, it was a homeless guy that told me that. Was he a farmer? Uh, nope. Well, then what in the world, dude? I mean, we, the, the places that we get information in this life, the places that knowledge we gain from, I mean, you think about where, where, do, you get your, where do you get the majority of your news about, or I gave it away, the majority of your knowledge about politics, the TV, all right, news. Where do you get the majority of your knowledge about whatever? You think back and you really trace your knowledge. Where does it come from most of the time? Crap is where it comes from most of the time. <laughs> At the end of the day, 90% of the things, I'm there, I love, I mean, I love, I love my dad. Love him with all his heart. Love him, dude. We start talking about politics, man, he's bringing stuff out of conspiracy theory from like the 70s. And I'm like, I'm like, dad, where did that come from? And he's like, dot com, conspiracy, dot com, backslash, 77, dot forward. And I'm like, dad, what does that even mean? Like, where in the world, like, where are you getting this stuff from? You know, but we, we, with the, where we, we take in this knowledge, man, we take in this stuff. And it's like, I, Courtney gets so mad at me, man, because I like, I like read a book about stocks. And then, like, by Tuesday, I'm a stockbroker. And I'm just like, it's like, because it's just this weird thing. Like, you got, it's just how we, just how humans are, man. We get one little piece of information here, and we don't even know where it comes from. And before we know it, man, we're just like kings of the universe. Like, we just got this thing covered. And Solomon says, listen, dude, I'm the wisest man on the planet, I'm the wisest man on the planet. I'm going to tell you something. You know what makes me so wise? I learned a long time ago I can't not lean on my own understanding. I can't lean on my own understanding. I can't lean on my own thoughts. I can't lean on my own opinion. I can't lean on what I think about life because at the end of the day, I don't really know much about life. I can't lean on my own understanding about being a father. I can't lean on my own understanding about being a husband. I can't lean on my own understanding about being a pastor. I can't lean on my own understanding about nothing. Dude, I'm telling you, the greatest thing that ever happened to me was the day that I realized I was so stupid when it comes to most things. I'm telling you, you, you may, I, I, I'm not trying to be funny. It, it was just this dawning of a new age in my life when I realized, man, I don't know anything about anything, truthfully, truthfully. Solomon says, trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. See, this is a very, very, very difficult thing because the idea is depending on God's wisdom means if you're leaning or you're depending on your own understanding, you are absolutely 100% not depending on God's wisdom. All right, so before we can even talk about God's wisdom, before we can even talk about where God's wisdoms come from, before we can even talk about that, you've got to come to a place in your life, a place of humility, a place of reality where you understand and you get that you are not nearly as smart as you think you are. And that even science changes all the time. The smartest people on this planet 
over and over and over again realize that what they thought just a few short years ago was not just close to right, but dead wrong. We cannot depend on our own understanding. We cannot depend on our own knowledge. We cannot depend. And until you get to that place in your life where you get that, all right, the rest of this isn't going to matter. But when you get there, you can start to ask the question, okay, what is it then to know the wisdom of God? What is it then to depend on the wisdom of God? There was a time in the Old Testament um, uh, where a, a little, uh, and this is another thing, just to, to throw this out here, side note. So I'm sitting back there running the media yesterday, and uh, Terry starts preaching. I'm like, man, this is going to be so good. She starts, she gets up here, and like, and, you know, Holy Spirit shows up in like first seven seconds, and, and, and it's just awesome. And, and then she starts preaching, and about five minutes into it, she starts preaching my daggum message from the day. She goes, everybody, turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel. I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. She goes, we're going to talk about Eli and Samuel. That's kind of weird. She goes down to the exact scripture that I was going to use. And, she's, and then she knocked it out of the park. And I turned around to Taylor. I was like, I swear I'll show you my notes, man. I didn't just steal what Terry's <laughs> preaching. Like, I want, like, I want, I was like, all these women are going to think Jordan just sat back there and stole her. No, I'm telling you. All right. I had this planned. I just took a bunch of notes, changed my PowerPoint real fast. No, but I had this plan, and it, it's, it's almost word for word. And I was just like, golly, freaking Holy Spirit <laughs> uniting us. Anyway, so Eli, it was this time in Israel, and, and, the, and the Bible kind of starts off in 1 Samuel, and it says something very, very interesting about the time of Eli and the time of Eli's Israel. And it said that the word of the Lord was rare. It's something you've got to understand. It says the word of the Lord was rare. That means it was not there much, if at all. There was nobody hungry for the word of God. There was nobody wanting to know what was going on with God. Nobody hungry for what God had planned. Nobody hungry for the heart and the mind of God. And God finally comes to Eli and comes to the people of Israel. And he says, I want you to understand something. You guys aren't hungry for my word. And he says, and it's showing up in your life. It's showing up in the sins of Israel. It's showing up in Eli's own personal life. He was letting a lot of ridiculous things go on with his own family. And God said, All right, listen, I'm done with this way of life. I'm done with this, this, this people that's not hungry for my word. And he says, so I'm going to replace you, Eli. I'm going to replace your family. And he says a bunch of really horrible things that you don't wish on anybody um, to Eli and Eli's family. And he says, I'm going, to, I'm going to raise up a new generation starting with a new prophet and a new priest starting with this. And he says, this is the type of person that I'm going to raise up. And this is what he, he comes down and says. He says, I'm going to raise up a, a prophet and a priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. He says, this is what God says. This is what I'm looking for. This is what I want. This is what I'm looking for in, in, in a husband. This is what I'm looking for in a wife. This is what I'm looking for as a follower of Christ. This is who I'm looking for. Somebody that will do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. And that was Samuel. And he raised Samuel up. And I want you to understand the only difference the foundational difference, the primary difference between Eli and Eli's Israel and Samuel and Samuel's Israel, and that was Eli was not interested in the word of God, and it was rare. And Samuel was very interested in the word of God, and it was full. And because the word of God was so full and so numerous and so constant in the life of Samuel and Samuel's Israel, they knew the heart and the mind of God, and they were able to do according to what was in the heart and the mind of God. And so I want to ask you this question this morning. Is the word of God rare in your life? 
or is the word of God full in your life? And I'm going to make a statement, a statement that many of us are not going to like. But I want to make you a promise, and it's a truth that you have to accept as a Christian. It's a truth that you have to accept as a Christian. Doesn't mean you have to change anything. Doesn't mean you have to do anything. Doesn't mean you can walk out of here angry at me, and, but this is something that you have to accept no matter what your post-action is. If the word of the Lord is rare in your life, you do not know, no matter what you think, you do not know what the heart and the mind of God is. Period. You do not know the will of God without the word of the Lord in your life. I'm gonna tell you something about this book right here, man. This isn't just a book This isn't just a book. This isn't just a set of rules. This isn't just some religion. This isn't just some ritual, man. This is a book. The Bible says that this is a gateway to a living God. Terry said so profoundly yesterday, when you open up this book, you're looking into the face of God. That's a reality. If you do not open up this book, if you do not turn the pages and open up the door to God and to the face of God, you will never know what the heart and the mind of God is. And you will never know what the wisdom of God is. And you will never know what the will of God is. And the only thing you have left to depend on is what? Your own understanding. So I'm going to say this again. Depending on God's word begins when you refer to his word first. And most. And without the word in your life, without the study of scripture in your life, without this being a part of your everyday, you have to accept as a Christian, you do not know the heart and the mind of God. Because you never give him the opportunity to teach you. You never give him the opportunity to speak into your life. You never give him the opportunity to open up your heart and open up your mind and to infuse his heart and his mind in your life. You never give the Holy Spirit the opportunity to teach you. If you have this book and it's sitting on your shelf or on top of your refrigerator or on the floorboard of your car or on your kitchen table and it's not opened, you have not given God the opportunity to teach you anything. And you do not know. And in Eli's life, in Eli's family, in Eli's Israel, when the word of the Lord was rare, they got so far off the path of God and their life got so filled with sin that God had to completely remove them and start over with a new group. There's a lot of you, man, there's a lot of you, you deal with the same things and you struggle with the same things and you go through the same things and, and you're buying all the Dr. Phil books and you're watching all the things and you're Googling all this stuff and all God's saying, dude, every answer you could ever, every question you could ever ask exists within this scripture, within this word. And it's not just like an academic book. It's not, just, I mean, the thing you have to understand, and I used to kind of, because I didn't want to like freak people out that are unchurched and not really know a lot about God. And, but this book is supernatural, man. There's no way to water that down or to get away from that. When you open up this book, it's not like you're just going through like a study guide. It's not like you're just going through some book in college, man. This book is alive and active and the Holy Spirit uses every single word to merge into your heart and to merge into your life and to show you the deep and hidden mysteries of God, things that you cannot learn on your own, things that you cannot know on your own. The Bible says that there are so many deep-founded history and philosophy and and just truth in this book that can affect and change your everyday life on a very real and practical level. And you are missing out on all of that if this book is not in your life. 
I'm telling you right now, you don't know what it takes to be a husband. You don't know what it takes to be a wife. You don't know what it takes to be a father, to be a mother. You don't know what it takes to be who God's called you to be unless you learn from God. And I'm going to go as far to say this, man. I like my job. I like my calling. I think it's important. Don't fire me. All right, but I'm going to tell you this. If I am your only source of God's word, you are cutting yourself short in a great, magnificent way. The greatest thing that ever happened to me in my life is when I realized that I could open up this book and interact with the God of the universe. And I'm going to tell you something else. You have every justification, every excuse in the world, but it all comes down to this right here. Either you're too busy or you're too distracted to know the heart and the mind of God, and that is it. You see the world, you see life, you see the houses, the money, you do all this stuff, and you're distracted by this life. And then you fill your time and you fill your schedule up with those distractions. And you will go through this entire life being distracted and busy, and you will miss out on the beautiful truth and the wisdom and the heart and the mind of God. So I'm begging you, dude, open up this book and get inside of it and watch what God does in your life. Without it, you are absolutely dependent and leaning only on your own understanding. And no matter how bad you want to say otherwise, you are not God-centered at all. You're centered around your own knowledge and the wisdom of this world. And I think we know what the wisdom of this world leads to. If you're not reading the Bible, read the Bible. Number two, God's power. God's power, God's strength. Now, there's a couple different facets of this, and I want to teach this slow. That's why I broke this into three instead of six. There's a scripture that, that I read on a regular basis. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. I don't know if you notice a pattern. Oh, go back. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. And they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. So I think we have this idea that, like, I want you to understand that when you're dependent on God's power and you're dependent on God's strength and you're trusting in the Lord, that doesn't mean that you're still not going to run. It doesn't mean that you're still not going to walk. It means that you, you will run and you will walk, but you won't go weary and you won't faint. See, and this is the one thing that I really have, have just over the last two or three years, really, it's kind of called growing up and becoming an adult and paying your own bills and doing all this other stuff and getting married and having somebody else to take care of. And it really opens up your life. And let me tell you something, teenagers, dude, I, I, know, I know life is hard for you and I know that you're stressed and all this other stuff. But, dude, mm. <laughs> if I could go back. As much as I, I would never trade my life to go back, but dude, I'm telling you right now, if I could go back, and my only concern was where I was going to hang out on the weekend, like, oh my gosh. I just, it's funny for me. I know, people have, I know people have real legitimate issues, and I'm not, but it's funny. Kids are just like, yeah, life is so hard. Yeah, I had to go to school till 3 o'clock today, and then we got out, and I only got to play paintball for four hours, and then my mom made me read. Uh, a book for like five minutes, and then I had to go to bed at three, and then wake up at seven, and sleep through school, and it's just been really rough this week. It's been really tough. Listen, dude, okay, I want you to understand something, man. I know I'm making all of them mad right now. I want, 
I want you to understand something. When we get to the reality of life, and we, and we get out of that, that teenage stage, and, we, and everything starts to be dependent on us. Like, we have to start paying the bills, and we got people to take care of, and kids to raise, and cars to maintain, and houses, houses to, to work on, and gutters to fix, and trash to take out, and all the other things that I don't do well. And, and, and when you have all that, that's life, man. And any of it in itself, it doesn't seem like it's a big deal. Just going to work or running a business, it doesn't. But when you add life together, dude, when you put all that together, man, that's hard. That's difficult. Dude, and it wears us out, man. It's a struggle. I'm going to tell you something. And it's like this. Anybody can be married. All right? But it takes a lot to be a husband. Does that make sense? Dude, it, it, anybody can just date anybody. All right? But it takes a lot to nourish and to cherish and to love somebody. Anybody can just reproduce a child. All right? But it takes a lot to be a father, and I'm not even officially a father yet, and I'm already telling you, it's harder. There's more to think about. <laughs> and it's just, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out how much trouble I'm gonna get in if I keep going down this road. <laughs> Courtney's a gym. <laughs> And I know that she's like, she's pregnant. She's doing all the work. I know that my job was over pretty fast. And like, but the reality of it is, is like as we start to plan, all right, as we start to plan and we start to go through and we start to think about all that. God, you guys are so awkward about sex, dude. It's just, man, we're all adults. Like, calm down. The next series after this one, guess what it's called? Sex, love, and dating. That's what it's called. It's going to be awesome. I cannot wait to get to it. I just insinuated that something that could possibly be taken as a sex joke, and everybody's like, oh, 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 second grade. Dude, wait for that. It's going to be awesome. There's going to be so many red faces. I cannot wait. It's going to be great. But, dude, when you in life, when you, I mean, anybody can just, anybody can just, can just make a child, but to be a father and to think about what that takes, I mean, dude, that's difficult. That's hard, man. I, I think anybody can just have a job. Anybody can just be a man. Anybody can just be a woman. But to be a man and a woman that God wants you to be, man, that's hard. That's difficult. And as we go through things in life without God's power and without God's strength, I've seen people go through things like divorce and just never quite make it back because they're trying to handle that tragedy, trying to handle that time in their life on their own power and their own strength. I've seen tragedy take place in people's lives and them just not ever really make it back because they're trying to handle it in their own power and their own strength, and we just can't. And what David's saying and what, you have to, I mean, what, what Isaiah is saying, what you have to understand about this time in, in his life and this time in Israel is things were not going well for anyone or anybody and he say, he's not saying, Lord God, don't let me go through this. Lord God, don't let me work. Lord God, don't let He's saying, listen, I know if I put my trust in the Lord, I will find a new strength. And I will have to run, but I won't grow weary. I will have to walk, but I won't faint. We just have to get to this place where we understand that there is life to be lived. And life is difficult. And if we try to do it on our own power and our own strength, we will grow weary. We will faint. Do you know the statistics? And this is something that, that I've really just studied in the last little bit, not because I'm, I'm about to do but you'll understand. What is the percentage of pastors who start in the ministry and retire in the ministry? Do you know? Throw, just throw one out there. I'd love to hear somebody. 30, I heard like 36%. That was very random. That was good. Nine. 
91% of pastors who get into the ministry don't retire because they burn out in the ministry. Because we're trying, people, I think they should they try to do stuff in their own power and their own strength. There's life. All right? we, we've made children. We've got to take care of them. We've got married. We have to sustain that marriage. We've got houses. We've got to maintain. We've got jobs. We've got businesses. We have to do it. We have to work. And what God is saying is, I want you to be who I've called you to be. And to be who I've called you to be, you cannot do it on your own power and your own strength. But if you trust in me, if you trust in me, you'll find new strength. That's the first facet. The second facet of this I want to talk to you about is, is what it looks like when we don't. What it looks like when we don't depend on his power, we don't depend on his strength, and we don't trust in God. Moses, everybody knows Moses, hung out about 40 years in the desert with some pretty horrible humans. And he had showed up several different times. They ran out of food, they ran out of water, and they're thirsting to death, and they're kind of rebelling against Moses. And he would have to go to God and plead with God, and God would show up in many ways. And, and two or three different times, they ran out of water as a people. And, uh, and just for the record, Terry started talking about Moses and mentioned what I'm about to talk about. And I thought, I swear on my life, if she does both my points, she didn't, though. She went a different direction. It was truthfully better than what I'm about to preach, so whatever. And, and Moses is different times when he, he runs out of water and, and, and he comes to God. And, and, and God shows up in a lot of really cool ways. Um, and there was this third time, or the second time, really, that, that they ran out of water. And the people were rebelling against Moses and turning on Moses. And Moses comes to God. And he's like, God, we're out of water. And, and you know, and, and we need some water or we're all going to die out here. And the people hate my guts. And they're not following me. And I want them to respect me. And they're not respecting me. And he's really just whining. And God says, okay, listen, I want you to go to the rock. Take your staff, go to the rock, and speak to the rock. Tell the rock to give you some water. I know it's kind of weird, but it's just they're in a desert. Okay, God has to be miraculous. Go to the rock, tell the rock, bring forth water, and I will, I'll provide. I'll, I'll bring water up out of, under the rock, and you guys will live. All right, so Moses says, okay, God, I'll do that. So he leaves there. He says, then he and Aaron summoned the people to come and gather at the rock. And he says, listen, you rebels. He shouted. Did you like how dramatic I was? Listen, you rebels. He shouted, must we bring you water from this rock? First mistake, number one, he went ahead and took ownership of it. And he said, must we? And he's not talking about we, me, and God. He's talking about we, me, and Aaron, me and my boy. Must we stand up? Must we show up and bring you water out of this rock? Arrogant punk. And then he goes on to the next, and he says, then Moses raised his hand. Remember, God said to speak to the rock. Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with the staff, and water gushed out. So the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. Now, I want you to understand two or three things about this. I think that a lot of times we think in our mind that when we disobey God or we don't trust God, that everything's going to look horrible and everything's going to be bad and we're not going to win the game and it's not going to be successful and, and blah, 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 blah. Right, we have this idea that if we don't do this, then this is going to happen. It's going to be bad. And when it's bad, then God's not there. And when it's good, then God is there. What I want you to realize about this was that Moses did not trust in God. He did something in his own power. He did something in his own strength. Listen to me. And it worked. Right? You saw that, right? God said, speak to it. Trust me. Speak to it. And he walked up to it, he gathered it around, and he said, guys, look what I'm about to do. And then he hit it, and water came up from it, and he was successful, not trusting, and he was successful, not dependent on God's power and strength. What do you think about that? 
He got lucky. That's one in a million. That's luck. And here's the deal. Here's the here's the probably the greatest deception that the enemy has ever brought to this world and especially to this country is that we value worldly success equal to God being in our life. See, Moses walked up there into the people of Israel. He was concerned. He wanted the people to love him. He wanted the people to respect him. And so he went up in his own power and his own strength, and he hit the rock, and the water came out of the rock, and he got everything he ever wanted. And he looked around. The water came out of the rock. All things are well. All things are good. And I did it within my own power, and I did it within my own strength. See, there's a lot of people in this room this morning. You are living your life completely in your own power, completely in your own strength, doing it your own way. Listen to me. And it's working. It's working. You keep getting promoted. It's working. Dude, there's money coming out from under that rock. Your retirement's looking pretty. It's working. You got that car you wanted. It's working. The church is growing. Must be working. From the appearances on the outside, you're looking in. There's water coming out from under the rock. Whatever that water is you're looking for, you're doing it with your own power. You're doing it with your own strength, and it is working, and you are just delighted about life. Everything is going great. Everything is going, God must be with me. God's here. I'm doing it. Everything's awesome, and I want you to understand something. The moment Moses walked away from that situation, God came to Moses, and he said, Moses, I want you to understand what you just did. You completely rejected me. You took the glory for yourself and you did it within your own power and your own strength. And because of that, I cannot allow you to go to the promised land. I cannot allow you to cross the river. I can't allow you to enjoy the fountains and the waterfalls of my beauty, of my promises and the plan that I had for you. The only thing Moses was allowed to do was walk up on a mountain and look over what he had missed. This is my greatest fear from my life and one of the greatest fears I have for my people, for this church, and for you is that you will trade the beauty of God's promises, the mountainous rushing waterfalls, the fountains of provision for a little puddle of water under a rock. Because I believe with all, man, dude, we could do some marketing. I'm telling you, I believe it. We could do some marketing here at the church, man. We could, we could take, we don't really have a marketing fund, but we could create one and we could get some billboards. I'm convinced of this. We could start doing some online stuff. We could give you a bunch of stuff to hand out. We could start going parking lot to parking lot, house to house. We could start doing a lot of marketing. We start doing a lot of cool things, a lot of advertisements, and we could get people in here, man, and we could get the church to grow. And we could say, man, that is awesome. Look at what we've done with our marketing skills. Look at what we've done in our own strength and our own power. Look at what we've done. I'm convinced we could do that. I'm convinced of it. But I'm going to tell you something right now. Anybody that walks through those doors under any other reason than the fact that God is drawing them in here it creates a house of cards. It creates something that is not real. It creates something that is of no value. And that's where I feel like a lot of us go with our life, man. We work and we do our things in our own power. We do things in our own strength. And as long as the money's coming in and the houses are getting bigger and the cars are getting faster and everything looks good, we're totally okay, even if it's actually costing us the greatness of God's plan 
for our life. See, there's a lot of us in here this morning, and you don't even get it. You don't even realize it. That you are doing your life, living your life, handling your marriage, raising your kids under your own power and your own strength. And you're going to miss out on what God has planned for you. You're going to miss out on some of the greatest things that God has. And it's like trading water under a rock for a mighty rushing waterfall. And they're linked together because if you don't have the first one, remember God's wisdom? If you don't have the first one and you're living your life and you're leaning on your own understanding, you will come to this second part and you will think, well, more money, more success means that everything's good and God is with me. And we literally think stuff like that in our heart and our life. And how can you look at some of the most richest, wealthiest, most powerful, most successful people in the world are some of the most evil people in the world? How can you logically come to that conclusion about your own life? That success means God is with me. What God is asking you to do, what God is looking for you to do, is to get to that place where you know in your heart and you know in your life what God wants for me is something that I cannot attain without him. Here's this thing, and if, if you write anything down, I want you to write this down. If I can do it myself, it is absolutely not from God. God is not going to do something in your life that he is not going to reap the glory for. God is not going to do something in your life that you can attain in your own power and your own strength. God is going to do something. He wants to do something so out of this world, so amazing. Take you to places you never thought you could go. Take you past the stars so that when yourself and when people see you get there, they know there's no way he got there. There's no way she got there without the Lord. And what Moses was trying to do was say, look at me, look what I can do, look how powerful I am, look how strong I am. And what God wants from his people is to say, look how weak I am, but look what God has done. Look how helpless I am, but look what God has done. Look how foolish I am, but look what God has done. That's why Paul got to a place in his life when he said, I used to worry about my weaknesses. I used to try to hide them. I used to try to convince people I didn't have them. But the closer I get to the Lord, the more I hear from God, the more God moves in my life, the more I boast in my weaknesses. Because where I am weak, God is strong. Our God is a God that takes shepherds out of the field and makes them kings. Our God is a God who takes kings who built their kingdom and crushes it so that the world knows that he is God Almighty. Uh, you get that, right? All right? God is flipped upside down from what we see. What we look at, we look at power, we look at fame, we look at money, and we say they're successful, we got it going on. And our God says, I'm looking at the ones that know they are helpless. I'm looking at the ones that know they need me. These are the ones that I will raise up. These are the ones that I will make kings among men. The ones that depend on me, the ones that want me, the ones that get there on their own, I will crush them. The ones that try to take the glory from me, I will crush them. These kingdoms, these, the, the, these, these religions that try to rise up, I will crush them. One point, one day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that I am Lord God Almighty, that I am the Lamb, uh, that I am, I am God. All right? If that is the end result 
Why do you think God would inspire you to live your life every single day trying to reap the glory for yourself, trying to obtain little house of cards, little houses that will burn, things that will fall? God says, I want to do things in your life that no demon in hell or angel or heaven could take away from you. I don't want to give you just, just life, man. I want, to give you, and it, I want to give you just this utmost marvelous promise that you could not create if you tried. Did I go back when I was 17 years old and I really felt for the first time in my life that God was, had his hand on me and that God had called me and that, that I was going to turn away from my old life and move in and I knew that I was going to be a pastor and I, and I knew that I was going to do these things and I started looking and I'm telling you right now, if, if every knowledge, every ounce of wisdom, everything I had, if I started writing down what I wanted or what I thought success would look like, I would have missed a mark so much. I could not tell you, could not do in my own power or create the life that I have right now in this moment. And my own power, my own strength. Couldn't do it. When you humble yourself before God, when you come to that place in your life where you recognize that there's a lot of things that you can do in your own power, there's a lot of rocks that you can hit and a lot of water that you can get to, but when you realize that you cannot be who God has called you to be without God in your life, you're closer to where you need to be. Learning to depend on God's power and God's strength begins with the denouncement of your own. It begins with a state of life where you recognize, I do not have the power or the strength to get to where God wants me to go. I can only get there if God is with me. I can only be the husband God wants me to be. I can only be the wife God wants me to be. I can only be the father God wants me to be. I can only be the business owner God wants me to be. I can only be the employee that God wants me to be. I can only be who God wants me to be. If it's his power and his strength, the one that I'm dependent on. And you're going to hate me because I'm about to tell you something that I tell you all the time. That starts with humility, humbleness before God, and consistent prayer, verbally confessing to God, I cannot do this on my own. I cannot be who you've called me to be on my own. I need you to step up and step in. It begins with the denouncement of your own power and your own strength. Remember the whole point of this New Year's Revolution series is humble, Seek, pray, turn. Number three. This is a big one for me. Actually, this is a massive one for me. This is the one where I almost screwed my life up so many times. God's schedule. God's timing. How many people have like had a normal conversation with me? Not just heard me out here. Just had a normal conversation with me. Just raise your hand. All right. How many people walked away from that conversation going, man, he's a really patient man. <laughs> man, I wish I, I wish I had his patience. Anybody? So there's no blind, deaf, or dumb people in here. Okay, good. So here, here's the reality. Here's the reality. I am impatient. I'm a lot better than I used to be. Right, but I want to move. When I get something going in my head or something I want to do and I feel like that's the right move, there is, why would we wait? I mean, I could not understand growing up, like, but why? Like, we know what we need to do. Why can't we just do it 
right now? Like, what is preventing us from just doing whatever that is at this very moment? Why? It's the, I still think some of it's dumb. I just do. Like, like we know we need to do this. Well, let's just really just wait about it. Let's wait. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. If you know it, you just go. You just do it. All right? You just do it. I don't ever understood this. But here's the reality. God's timing, so much different than our timing. God's schedule, so much different than our schedule. I started tr- really trying to get organized in the last few years, and, and I've incorporated a lot of things in my life to get, keep me as organized as I can because I've got a lot of commitments and meetings and, and different things like that and, and, and just trying to keep everything together. And one of the things I started doing was uh, keeping a calendar and a schedule, something I just did. Um, and I've gotten a lot better at it over the, over the last few months especially. And one of the things I use is Google Calendar. And a habit that I've kind of created in my life is I started on Sunday nights getting together for 15 minutes to 40 minutes. just depends on how long it takes. And I go over the church calendar and my personal stuff, and, and I add it all together, and I plug it into the, to the Google Calendar. Whatever it is, you know, I've got dinner here, this meeting that, or this meeting here, go work out here. And just, I've realized you just got to schedule. If you're going to get stuff done, you just got to schedule it in. So I put it in to the Google Calendar. Now, the Google Calendar syncs up to my cell phone and the iCalendar that's on my cell phone. And so if I put it into the Google Calendar, the Google Calendar is like the boss. It's the one that runs everything. My schedule on my phone, schedule on all my computers, uh, the, the calendar on my phone. If you put it into Google Calendar, Google Calendar will like overthrow everything else and it will plug it into that calendar, that schedule. Does that make sense? And so on Sunday nights, I would look at everything and I would put it into the Google Calendar. And if I put it in, if it made it into the Google Calendar, I'll be there. I don't care what conversation we had. I'm just being honest with you guys. Anybody notice a pattern with me? If you come up on Sunday morning, I think people think, oh, Jordan, I'm the only person Jordan talked to today. So, and they come up and they say things, and they're like, hey, listen, we're going to run here on Tuesday at 1 o'clock, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to do that, okay? Yeah, I'll be there. No clue what you just said. Probably not going to remember it on my little Sunday night deal. So this is what I tell people all the time. Text me that info. That puts the ball back in your court, all right? Makes you responsible. If you don't text me, not my fault, but did you text me? Well, no, your fault, not mine. You can't be mad at me. All right, but that's just, what I've, that's just what I've learned. how. To, I've just had to do that because there's so much conversation going on. The Adderall starts wearing off around 12. So I'm getting out there, and you've got not only you've got impatience and all people talking to me, you've got my shotgun attention going everywhere. And so I'm just like, listen, I've just learned that that's what I have to do. And so then I'll go through my text messages and my emails, and that's a part of my whole calendar deal. And so I get into the Google calendar, and it kind of overthrows everything. But there was a problem when I first started doing this. I think I've conquered this at this point. But there was a problem. What I realized was that the Google Calendar was supreme. That was like the main schedule. And when you put it into the main schedule, it overthrows everything else. But if I'm just kind of having one of those conversations with you guys, and I just take out my phone, and I'm just like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I just like, and I start make, you know, making an appointment or doing something on my phone. If I put something on my phone, it will, not, it will not control the Google Calendar. So it kind of defeats the purpose, right? Because if I put it in my phone and it doesn't go to Google Calendar, when I check Google Calendar, guess what's not there? The appointment that we were supposed to have. That's why I wasn't there. I don't really miss appointments a lot at all, but just want to let you know. And so the idea is that like, if I were to put it in my phone and then I didn't, it wasn't Google Calendar, when I would go to check Google Calendar, a lot of times when I first started doing this, before I started changing things, there would be, conflicts would come up and I had to make a phone call and I had to rearrange and I had to do schedule. And, and the whole point of this little analogy is to tell you, a lot of times, the Google Calendar is like God's timing, all right? That's supreme. Like God's schedule, it's not going to change. You're not going to like have a sick day and go, okay, well, we'll just rearrange that. 
We're not going to do that. All right? God's schedule is God's schedule. God's timing is God's timing. Why? He's God. You are not God. And he knows what is important. And he knows the when. And he knows the how. And he knows the why. He knows not just the when, but why that moment and that time in history and in your life. And the little phone is our little dinky plans we have. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go work out and I'm going to go here and I'm going to go do that and we're going to do this and then tomorrow I'll get married and then I'll have a kid two years after that and then I'll retire at 54 and then I'll die at 97. <laughs> Sounds like a good life. <laughs> She's a nice planning. 97, I just felt like it was a good year. I don't, I don't know why. So the reality of it is, is that we can, we can have our little phone time all the time. We can have our own conversation. We can have our little plans. But at the end of the day, no matter what you put into the phone, if it doesn't go into the Google Calendar, then you have to change things and rearrange things. Does that make sense? And so at the end of the day, depending on God's schedule, depending on God's timing, means that you making plans almost quits becoming a part of your life in a sense. David says something, and I'm going somewhere with this. David said this right here in Psalms. He says, in Psalm 31, he said, but I trust in you. I trust in you. Notice the pattern. I trust in you, Lord. And I say that you are my God, and my times are in your hands. That's what God says. I mean, it's what David says. David's going through all kinds of stuff going on in his life, all kinds of stuff going on in his life. And he said, all of that aside, I trust in you, Lord. I know that you're my God and my times are in your hands. Do you know the heart of, he's writing this psalm? Because when he was around the age of 12 to 15 years old, he was anointed king. And he knew that he was going to be king of Israel at a young age. And it was years upon years upon years before he stepped into the role of king. And see, for David, there was tons of opportunities to take out the king ahead of him. Tons of opportunities to step in, and the people would have been okay with it. Tons of opportunities to jump the ball. Tons of opportunities to go. But every time one of these opportunities came up, he stopped, and he said something like this. I trust in you. You're my God. My times, my schedule is in your hands. And here's something I want you to understand about God. You may not fully agree with this, but I believe this to be fully true. God will open up the door that he wants you to go through when he wants you to go through it, and he will make sure you know that that's the door and that's the time. God is not a God who puts you on the edge of a cliff and says, jump. I don't believe it. Well, you got to be faithful. That's stupid. There's a difference. God says, the greatest part of your faith that I look for is your obedience. When I make something known to you, you obey me and you do it. He didn't say faith is jump off of a cliff and hope an angel catches you. That's not faith. The reality of it is, from Genesis to Revelations, there was never one single time God expected a man or a woman to do something that he didn't tell them to do. Does that make sense? 
me and Courtney have this cool little part of our relationship. I'm honestly not sure if it's my fault or her fault. It's her fault. But we will have these conversations where she tells me to do something that she needs done and I don't do it and I have zero recollection of that conversation, truthfully. Not lying, I just have, she'll be like, I told you to do this. I don't remember that. <laughs> True story. I don't know if she's inventing it or if I just forgot. I think we all know who probably forgot it. I, but the reality of it is, is that Courtney would never truly be mad at me for not doing something that she did not tell me to do. Does that make sense? If she tells me to take out the trash and I don't take out the trash, she's going to be a little upset with me. But if she drives away and doesn't text me and doesn't tell me that I need to take the trash out and I'm 27 and I need to know when the trash goes out, that's not the point of the story. <laughs> All right? And I, and I don't see it or I don't notice it and I don't take the trash out. She's not going to come home with divorce papers going, you didn't do it. But she didn't tell me to do it. Does that make sense? God's not psychopathic. Okay, he's not, he's not, he's not, I almost said he's not a woman. Man, that would have been so bad. Oh, God, that's not what I meant. Oh, it would have been so bad. I told, that's, ah, oh, so bad. I didn't mean that. I love women. I love one woman. <laughs> oh, God. All right, come back. Come back. This is a serious point, super serious. going to change your life. Come back. God's never <laughs> Jeff that's going to change yours no. <laughs> God's never going to come back guys God's never ever ever going to expect you to do something that he does not make clear to you to do ever and you need to, you need to write that down you need to write that down that's something that, that I realized a while back and it saved me from so much heartache and so many mistakes God's never going to expect you to do something that he does not make clear to you. So if that's true, and it is, and you need to accept that as truth, then that means that there's a lot of times in this life you don't need to move just because you think it's time to move. If God did not make it clear, if God did not open the door, and you know in your heart that it is God pushing you through that door, you need to stop. That's what David says right here. That's, that's, that's his point. As I trust in you, you are my God. And although it's short, my time in this life is in your hands. My schedule is in your hands. And I know that you have a plan for me. And I know that when the time comes, whether it's tomorrow or five years from now, I know that you will open up the door for me to walk through it. The beginning of depending on God's schedule and God's timing is fully and practically knowing that he is in control. Knowing that whether you see him moving, Taylor, whether you see him moving or you feel him moving, he is always moving. And if he puts something in your heart to do, and you're in the process of doing that thing and he hasn't told you to change it, don't quit doing it. 
just because it gets a little boring or just because you get a little anxious or you feel like it's time. Everybody in this room has heard the name Mother Teresa. Everybody in this room has heard and has probably read or heard something from this great woman of God. And late in her life, they interviewed her and they said, you know, you came and and you showed up here and and you did this orphanage thing and you stayed in the same place and you did the same thing throughout your entire life. She changed the world a little bit. And they said, why did you stay for all those years when nobody knew your name? Why did you stay for all those years when it wasn't working? Why did you stay for all those years? And Mother Teresa, in a very Mother Teresa-esque way, said, when I was younger, I heard the voice of the Lord and it told me to do this. And I didn't hear him tell me to quit. And so I just did it. Mother Teresa, one of the greatest women of God, full of faith that has ever walked the face of the earth, said through the course of my entire life, I heard the voice of God one time. And I did that. And he didn't want me to quit, so I didn't quit. God will make it clear to you what he wants you to do. God will open up your heart, man, from the big life picture things to the dating relationships, to the marriages, to the kids, to the jobs, to the careers, to the churches, to where you go to church. God will make it clear to you. And when he makes it clear and he opens up that door, man, you need to walk through it. But you don't need to doubt where you are just because you haven't heard from him in a while, just because things aren't exciting as you think they ought to be or going the direction you think they ought to go. If you're dependent on God's timing and you're dependent on God's schedule and you're dependent on God's power and you're dependent on God's strength and you're dependent on God's wisdom, then you will sit right there wherever that is and humbly do what God has called you to do until he tells you otherwise. If God has brought somebody into your life and you're married to that person, love that person, take care of that person, and serve with love that person. God has blessed you with children. You raise that child, and you love that child, and you provide that child. If God has blessed you with a job, you work that job as hard as you can work it. You go to work every day. You be the best that you can be. If God has planted you and plugged you into a church, whether it's this one or another one, you stay in that church, and you serve that church, and you do everything in your power, Don't quit doing what you know God wants you to do until God tells you otherwise. And don't pick up something new unless you have clarity in your heart that that is from God. Because where you will get your life warped and messed up is when you start having a little bit of struggle in a marriage and you just opt out and take off and ruin that and divide that and leave because you were leaning on your own understanding and you were trying to handle it in your own power and your own strength and you just decided it's time, it's over, there's no hope. There's always hope in Jesus Christ. 
And I don't ever want you to assume that delay equals denial. Because God told me when I was 17 that I would pastor a church. It was almost 10 years before I did. God told David he was going to be king. It was almost 30 years before he was king. God is at move. God is at work in your life. Always. And a large part of the reason God's not moved you or you think you ought to go at the time is because a lot of times you're just not ready for it. And he's got to take you through a season of preparation before you do what he's called you to do. So remember Matthew. Beatitudes. It's chapter 5, verse 3. This is Jesus showing up. First major sermon, what many would say is the greatest sermon ever preached in the history of the world. He gathers the first group of people together. He's up on the mount. He sits. Everybody else stands. And he says these words. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. First thing Jesus Christ ever taught the people. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. I want you to highlight that. Because there's a lot of times I think people have no idea what that means, truthfully. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Jesus says, you want to know who I want to bless? You want to know whose life I want to get involved in? You want to know whose life I want to pour my promises into? Those who are poor in spirit. All that means I want to bless those who know they need me. I want to bless those who know that their wisdom and their understanding and their knowledge is insufficient. I want to bless those who know that they can't make it through this life without me. I want to bless those who know they can't be the husband that they're supposed to be without me. I want to bless those people who know they can't be the wife that I called them to be without me. Remember the four. Humble. Seek. Pray. Turn. Humble. Pray. Seek. Turn. Humility. Humbleness. You getting to a place in your life when you daily realize and confess to God, I cannot do it without you. I can hit a rock and make some water come out, but I can't make it to the promised land without you. I can have a wedding day, but I can't have a truly successful marriage without you. I can make a kid, but I can't raise them and train them in righteousness without you. We can start a church, but we cannot change lives and save marriages without you. It's a people who look into their life and say, I know that I don't have what it takes and that I must have Christ in me. So I'm going to challenge you today, any area of your life, any area of your life where you looked at today and you said, man, I know that I'm dependent. I know that I'm leaning on my own understanding. I know that I'm trying to do this thing on my own power, my own strength. 
I know that I'm trying to rush things along. I know that I'm not dependent on God's timing. I know that. Humble yourself before God. Pray, seek his face, and turn. Don't leave here today knowing these things are true and doing the same old thing tomorrow. I challenge you as we worship today, confess this to God. Jesus, I know I don't have what it takes to love the way you want me to love without you. I know I need you. Humble yourselves before God. Be specific. Depend on God's wisdom. Depend on God's power and strength. Depend on God's timing. You guys will bow with me. I pray, Lord, right now that you will let your spirit rest in this room this morning. God, I pray, Lord, right now as, as uh, these people, Father, as we start this song, Lord, and we just start to kind of evaluate our life and we just start to look into our life and look into our marriages and look into our families, God, and I pray, Lord, that you would just open up our hearts to you this morning, God, that you would just let your spirit rest in just the depths of our hearts this morning, God, that you will uh, just fuse us, God, together with your will. God, I pray, Lord, that if we are uh, living our life, God, without your word on a daily basis, God, that you will just inspire us and motivate us, God, to open up our word before we go to bed tonight, God. I pray, Lord, as we worship today, that you will just speak to our hearts and speak to our minds, God. I pray, Lord, that you will convict us where we need to be convicting, God, and let us leave here knowing that we are blessed by Jesus Christ.